Hi, this is Robert Kiyosaki, and you're listening to Entrepreneur Circle, Eric Cabral. On this episode, the gunshot of social media is going to shut you down. The, the gunshot of COVID, the gunshot of an election, the gunshot of inflation, the gunshot of the housing market, the gunshot of drugs or alcohol or partying or baseball or football or anything else that's a noise and a distraction for you is going to stop you and it's going to paralyze you. You have to be so clear to what your mission is that it silences all the noise around you because you're going to get a lot of noise. You have now entered the entrepreneur circle. Hey there, folks, and welcome to the Entrepreneur Circle, where we built a community that shares lessons learned throughout our journeys, celebrate wins, our eureka moments, and embrace the F word, meaning failure, which I've come to realize that failure is success in progress. I'm Eric Cabral, your host, a husband, a father of two brilliant girls, and I've been called a heart-centered entrepreneur by my peers and mentors. My mission in life is to make the world a better place, one mic at a time. So I'm happy and humble to have you join in on that mission. And I hope that by the end of the show, we would have added value in your life. So if you're ready to jump into the circle, let's get to it. Are you ready to invest in real estate but don't have the time or enough education to do it by yourself? Accountable Equity helps accredited investors who are looking for tax-advantaged investments. So anyone looking for a team of professionals who hold themselves accountable with theirs and your real estate investments, Accountable Equity is your boots-on-the-ground team. Their mission is to bring private offerings to their investors and their clients. With a team of committed and experienced investors themselves, Accountable Equity is always looking for partners to participate in alternative investments which extend beyond publicly traded equities like stocks. Accountable Equity makes alternative passive cash flow possible for more people than ever before in our economy. To find out more, visit AccountableEquity.com. That's AccountableEquity.com. Or look for them on LinkedIn or Facebook. That's AccountableEquity.com or AccountableEquity. That's Accountable Equity, your partner for true passive real estate investments. Welcome back, folks. Entrepreneur's Circle. As always, your happy and humbled host, Eric Cabral here. And with me today, an amazing dude who... I really admire and am inspired by. I had an opportunity to spend some time with him uh, at one of our Go Abundance events, and he's just a, a genuine human being that I want you to get to know. I want to get to know uh, the little that I discovered and 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 the the the, the layers we peel back were, were so moving to me, Daniel. That um, I was like, yeah, we got to continue the conversation. But welcome to the show, Daniel Del Real. Hey man, welcome. Uh, well, thanks. Uh, it was actually fun talking to you, Josh. Um, and I, I, I saw that you guys posted that episode up, and I'm like, ooh, I don't really want to listen. That's a, that's a good clip. But it was a, it was a great conversation, man. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. What's so funny about that? We, we could, we, we could talk about that for a second. Is um, we don't like to hear our own voice, and and, and I'm included in that, and and I do this for a living. It's just weird. Um. But it's a great way to to figure out how to grow, right, and if, uh, and evolve. Because if you start to force yourself 
to pay attention, listen to yourself, watch yourself. You're like, okay, what am I doing there that I can change? Or what did I say that I can just update or modify? That didn't sound right. But I, I like, I, I, I wouldn't know unless I listened, but dude, I go, um, a lot, you know, there's a lot of filler words. I'm like, oh, I say this and that a lot. That's got to stop. Yeah. So it's good. It's finding finding your story is also really good, right? Sometimes yeah. you're like, you know, everybody has a story. Yeah. And just finding that story, sometimes when you hear it, you know, you, you find you just, you know, it's it's good to reflect on it, even though it's not fun to hear it, but it's it's good to find your story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Before we get into that, I mean, I want to get into story too, but I want to just let the audience know who the heck we're talking to and 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 everything amazing that Daniel has done. Not everything, but you know, some of the things that he's done. Uh, but Daniel is a real estate guy. He's he he focuses a lot of his energy and his team's energy in Modesto. And you know, aside, here's the funny thing, Daniel. You've got such an amazing track record. You've been in real estate for for decades. And you know, aside from being an amazing business owner, clearly super super uh, successful financially in business and in life, uh, aside from highlighting all those things, because I know a lot of people want to highlight that on shows, you know, like, oh, show us how you crush life and how you win. I, to me, what speaks to my heart is when we start talking about culture and faith and family and all the stuff that drives you beyond the business or actually integrates with the business. So like, for example, I know you left the military, you, you were in the military. And when you left, you're like, I can go become a civilian, but I, I don't see the drive and the passion there, right? Like, I, I've i got the hustle, I've got the grind, and I've got the the, the discipline, the yeah. discipline to do everything you're doing. So let's start with, that was that was your kind of like, I made that up, your your your, your intro there. <laughs> I wasn't prepared <laughs> for it, so I hope you, hope you enjoyed it. Um, so your eureka moment, what mm -hmm. was the thing, the aha, that broke it open and set the path to where you are today? You know, I think for me, you have them constantly. I had one last year. I spent some time with a friend of ours, uh, Tim Road, at his house, reflecting on, you know, what the second mountain is. You know, we're used to charging certain things, charging up a certain mountain. And a eureka moment for me was I was I was within my own mastery, right? And I was very comfortable doing that. And I, I needed to get very, very clear on where I wanted to go. Like, what's my next version of myself? Uh, and start making decisions for that person. Like, what kind of decisions would that person make? And that was a big aha moment because I'm like, look, I've mastered this. This I've been in the real estate industry for two decades. You know, I operate a great team. I have great culture. I'm like, I've mastered my craft, right? But I was still very much, you know, operating this business when there's a bigger calling for me, meaning am I diving into becoming more of a real estate investor, acquiring my own properties and doing all this other stuff or elevating, elevating my game? But I felt very comfortable making decisions uh, that got me to where I am today, but aren't really going to get me to where I want to be in the future. And knowing that difference is 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 magical, right? And that was an mm -hmm. aha moment for me when he pushed me. He's like, Daniel, you're making a lot of decisions today that support and confirm your success and why you are where you are today. But are those decisions honoring the person that you want to be in the future? Right. And mm. that was an aha moment for me because I'm like, man, we get so comfortable in this mastery and we fall back on it, you know, doing the work, you know, being having that discipline, having that drive. But, you know, there's there's a time where you're like, OK, let me let me work a little smarter and see and ask myself those questions like where who do I want to be in the next five, 10 years? And am I making decisions today mm. that are honoring that man? Right. Yeah. 
And that was an aha moment that I had last year. And you have those every, you know, every few years where you know, you're constantly pushing and you're evolving and you're always learning and, and you need somebody like Tim to push you a little bit. But that was a big aha for me. So to dig a little bit on that, Daniel, because I want to get a little specific. So when you started to sort of come to that realization, that self-realization that, okay, and it sounds like what we were talking about before the mics turned on, you know, like just just getting into the habit of saying no to most, if any, if all opportunities. Um, and I want to get get to that, too. But you you um, you 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 kind of foreshadowed every decision that I'm making is going to turn me into the Daniel in five, 10 years. Right. Um, who who was that person that you potentially didn't want to meet? Like, what were you going to become if you didn't start making these decisions now? Yeah. So, I mean, for, for me, I came my parents were immigrants. Right. So we didn't have much. So that fear of me um, being, you know, being broke, not having money and, and 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 falling into all the labels that other people put on me when I was a child, that fear drove me to 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 prove myself worth to myself, right? Saying this is what I'm worth. So that drive, it's like you're charging and you're charging and you're charging. You get this tunnel vision and then a year turns into five, turns into 10, turns into 15, turns into 20. And you master, you know, that, that persona, that person, right? That sales associates, the team, the team, uh, team owner. And then, but eventually you have to look up and look at the horizon and say, okay, where am I going? Why am I still charging up this hill? Right. It's like you have to look up, enjoy the view and realize that you have to make a change. Right. So for me was being that operator, being in sales. Right. Being with my with my with my team and doing a lot of the things that I do day in and day out that I'm really good at. Instead of saying, look, let me spend more time not in my business, but on it. Right. And I do spend a lot of time on the business, but I'm talking about you know, how, how can we generate more revenue in this business? How can we generate more wealth for the team agents in this business? Not just revolving revenue, just like the, the income revenue, helping clients purchase properties, but how can I help them generate that income and help them build wealth, right? So that that for me is, is what I saw myself doing in the future, saying, how can I provide more opportunity mm. for the people around me and, and, and the people that have supported me and that helped me grow this business so they could build wealth. And, and mm. so those, those questions for me are the ones saying, well, if I really want to do that and I really want to go that direction, are the things that I'm doing day in day out today going to honor that? Mm. Right. And so the answer to that was no, it was helping them generate more income, but it wasn't really helping them grow their wealth. Right. So hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You basically wanted to not just hand them fish. You wanted to teach them how to fish. Right. You wanted to make sure that they had lifelong sort of skills and because mm -hmm. you're providing the tools and some of the knowledge, but not the lifelong sort of tools that, you know, they can go and build and grow. Uh, because as as we were talking earlier when we were in Colorado together, um, I really, really got a sense that, you know, the, the teams and the culture and the business that you're building um, – is very people centric, right? Very heart centric. And, mm -hmm. and what you want to do is, is, is like you said, provide them not just with the opportunities, but the tools and the knowledge to, to, to build and grow on their own. And, and the point that I'm getting to is, um, you, and you tell me if, if, if this aligns with what, what's happened and what's happening with you and your team is, um, I find that when I pour into my team, uh, and, and, and I support and love anything and everything they do, even if it may conflict with what we're doing because it's growing their own business, they leave eventually. 
they leave. And then I say, you know, the best of luck with all love and support from us. Let us know if you ever need anything. But do you find that if as you pour and, and, and give to the team like that, they leave because they're you've given them so much that they can now just, you know, fly from the nest. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that's, I love that you said that and you picked up on that because that is the person that I've been kind of working at all the time saying, like, I'm providing opportunity, I'm teaching them things. But here's where that shift came in and the aha moment last year was, was, look, I'm providing opportunity, I'm helping them grow. But if my world doesn't continue to get bigger, so their world could grow within it, then they're going to outgrow you. And they're going to say, I got to find different opportunity. And that's where my aha moment was, was like, look, I'm allowing them, I'm growing great people, right? They have great communication skills that they're learning with service and learning how to serve people. They're generating great income. We're talking about family goals, life goals, health goals. You know, we're reading books together. We have a great environment at the office. But if I don't continue to grow my world and my knowledge and my space mm-hmm. and, I will, and give them space for them to grow within it, then yes, they are going to walk away. And that was my aha moment saying, look, in the future, if I want to be the guy that, that creates opportunity for them past the sales, mm-hmm. meaning building the generational wealth, am I honoring that person? Because you're right. You could spend a lot of time educating, training pouring love at time into your, into your people. And if you don't provide enough opportunity, they should leave you, right? Mm-hmm. They should go and continue to grow. That's what you're preaching. That's what you want them to do. So my job is to continue to grow my world. So that way they could, they have space within it. Yeah. I love that because eventually your network becomes their network and they have, they have access to everything that the teachings the learnings, the people uh, that you have, you know, at, you know, at arm's length, which is really cool. Um, I wanted to sort of highlight something that we've, you know, talked about in the past and then also before the mics turned on here, um, you know, saying no mm. to op- not just opportunities, but just to things, because I'm going to, and I'm going to quote you here. You've said before that we're always walking around in a state of distraction, mm-hmm. right? And, and as entrepreneurs, yeah, that's the shiny object syndrome, right? We want, we see everything as an opportunity. So take us how, take us from saying no to everything to eventually saying yes to some things like mm-hmm. this show, for example. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, let, let's go back in time and, 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 and tell us why you were doing that. Well, you know, a lot of it goes with a couple things, right? It's like, you have to know what you want out of your life, right? You have to prioritize your life because if you don't, society and the world will, will, right? There's more, the people are always, they're always trying to buy your time. They're trying to take your time. Social media is set up that way, you know, or just our world is set up that way, right? So if you don't prioritize your life, you know, society will. So part of that is being very, very clear of, who you want to be and what do you want to do and and saying yes to everything in that space and no to everything else. And we talked last time when we were, when we were talking, we, I told you the story about, about the military and when we used to clear buildings out and it's very similar to that. It's where, you know, you go in and we, when we go in and in the military, you would have to clear these buildings out and, and, you know, you would, you would run risk of, you know, a firefight or you would have to clear certain sections of, uh, let's say a little village ad or something. And then and, and you have to know exactly where you're going and the people around you. And you have to be so clear to what your mission is that it silences 
all the noise around you because you're going to get a lot of noise in the world. We call them gunshots. Like they say that the, the guys that cannot silence the gunshots are the ones that are going to end up getting themselves killed or their, or their friends killed. And the reason why that is, is if you're clearing a certain building, you had a guy behind you, got it in front of you, you're, you're aiming to certain corners and doing your own, you're doing the thing you're trained to do and you're rehearsed to do over and over again to complete your mission. If the gunshots start going, you continue to move towards the direction of where you should be going and the guy behind you should take care of whatever threat is there. But the guy that that can't silence that gunshot and stops to look, gets paralyzed by it, the next one comes in and takes him out, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing we talk about with life, those gunshots and silencing those gunshots, which will keep you alive and keep your buddies alive, is and being very in order to, to to silence those gunshots, you have to be very clear of the mission. It's the same thing with life. Like if you don't know where you're going and that mission isn't very clear, the gunshot of social media is going to shut you down. The the gunshot of COVID, the gunshot of an election, the gunshot of inflation, the gunshot of the housing market, the gunshot of drugs, or alcohol, or partying, or baseball or football or anything else that's a noise and a distraction for you is going to stop you and it's going to paralyze you from your mission. So your mission has to be so clear and the people around you have to be on that same mission, same frequency to be able to push you along and say, hey, buddy, you're getting distracted. You're messing up your marriage or, hey, remember, remember what your goal is, man. Remember, we're getting to a certain net worth or we're getting to a certain passive income. So a lot of that is being so clear on that mission that it's easy to say no to everything. You're silencing all the noise and you run at a different frequency, right? So and and so that that for me is saying no is super easy simply because it's mm. it doesn't really matter. It's it's the things that I that I could live without because I am living with purpose on the things I've said yes to, right? Um, so that's that's the way I that's the way I do it. I mean, there's there's a phrase that I just put up on my social media that, that says the best measure of a man's wealth is how much he can afford to live without. Right. Mm -hmm. So now think about that in wealth. But yet think about that in life, like in the original quote that that was said, it, it was it was a little different. And it, it would say a man is rich in the in, in the prorations of the number of things he could afford to let go. Think about mm -hmm. that. Afford to let go. Mm -hmm. To let go is to say no. I'm going to let yeah. go of that opportunity. Mm -hmm. uh, oh yeah, you want to go to this baseball game, or you want to go out to the to to the club to go drink, or you want to go and do this 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 distraction. You you let those opportunities go, right? Because you've said yes to certain priorities, and that's what gives you a rich life, a rich family, a rich business, mm -hmm. right? Because you're still committed to it. Um, so that's that's just my my. Um, process of saying uh, no to just about everything. Um, but then again, you go back and you say, okay, why am I saying no to these things um, now? Is that still honoring the person that I want to be? And you change, mm -hmm. right? But yeah. initially, in order to be you know, in successful at life, family, health, you have to say, you have to be very committed, say yes to the priority things and then say no to everything else and anything else that's going to distract you, the behaviors of it, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Hello, this is Josh McCowan, CEO of Viva May Hospitality and the beautiful Renault Resort Winery. I have to tell you, the secret's out. And the secret is On Air Brands. On Air Brands Creative Agency, which specializes in launching podcasts, transforming live events into live streaming events, and social media marketing soup to nuts. On Air Brands has changed the game. There'll never be a day from here forward when you and I and our companies don't need to be on the air. Every brand needs to be on the air, but so few know that. So it's great to work with a group that are ahead of the curve and to find a company that has been built on the core foundation of the future of marketing. If you're ready to broadcast your brand like they've done for my brands, take the next step and make a change that can transform your business. Reach out to On Air Brands today. That's onairbrands.com. Yes, onairbrands.com. It's it's interesting because I I do want to I want to I want to take the wayback machine a little bit um, in a moment, but but I wanted to highlight what you were talking about there, um, in in terms of saying no, and 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 saying yes to fewer things so that right it, it honors who, who, you know the person that you want to be, um, and I, I just want to let the audience know here what you told me before we turn the mics on is you said no to amazing opportunities, one of which. The biggest podcast in our space in real estate uh, asked you, you know, Bigger Pockets asked you to be on the show, and you said no, um, which is which is crazy, right? Who who doesn't want to be on that show? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, you know what? It's funny. It was like four years ago. Brandon, like I know, I've known David um, for years. You know, before when he was a cop, right? He actually when he started, he decided to stop. Uh, you know, stop being in law enforcement at my cabin at a retreat that we hosted with a bunch of governance guys. Like, mm. so I, I, and I, I remember him getting on the bigger pockets podcast and becoming the host. But um, even prior to that, like knowing, knowing Brandon and spending some time with Brandon, they're like, you know what? We have to have you on the bigger pockets podcast. And I'm just like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah sure. 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 Right. <laughs> and I'm like, just blew it off. And then years later, David asked me the same thing. He's like, man, why am we at you on the podcast? We need to have you on the podcast. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally cool, man. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to do that. The, the, the thing is, is I was always, you know, I was, I, I, I was very focused on what I wanted to do. And, and honestly, I was afraid of, you know, speaking in public, doing things like this, right? But, uh, it, but at the same time, you know, I knew that it didn't really serve what I wanted to do. I was just so focused on my family. I didn't want any other distractions, right? It's like, okay, if I'm on the show, so many guys did the show and next thing you know, their phones are being, they're just, they get blown up about it. Right. And they're asking questions and then you're sitting on calls with people. And so even something like that, that was, that that's exciting that I'm like, well, you know, what would have happened if I would have said yes to that and jumped on the show? You know, I don't know, maybe yeah. it would have been a bunch of diff different distractions. Maybe it would have changed my trajectory. But at the end of the day, I was so focused mm -hmm. on my business that I said no to, to opportunities, regardless of how shiny they were and how beautiful they looked, just because I was, you know, I was really focused on building my business. So when I look back and they're like, well, how can you, how can, you know, it, I'm the, the, the third highest producing team in California. Well, how is that? Well, you know, whenever you, you run a business like that, and if you look at the top, even five, 10 team leads in that list, they're all crazy. They mm -hmm. all do crazy things. Like they're all so focused. They're so focused at this one thing that 
that they're, it distracts them from all the other noise, right? And that for me was noise. And so you say mm. no to certain opportunities that other people would say, well, why would you say no to that? Or why wouldn't you go to this thing? Or why wouldn't you go to that other thing? Uh, you got invited to this. And I'm like, well, just because I'm just so focused. And that's what it takes wow. to be not only just the, 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 the top agent or team, and it's, it's okay to do that once. And, and, but it's how do you keep winning consistently, right? Um, is you have to create systems around saying no and rely on them and, and consistently uh, win, not just once, twice, three times, but be on that top list for a decade, you know, for 15 years, for 20 years. It yeah. takes a certain amount of drive and focus, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, you're right, though. And, and I think that that, that, that that Daniel inside of you or on your shoulder uh, was saying, hey, man, if, if, if I open that door, they're, they're giving me a key to something. I don't know what's behind the door. It's probably wonderful. Um, but it's freaking scary. And thank you for for being vulnerable in that moment to say, yeah, you were basically afraid and you were afraid to speak and you were afraid of the potential opportunities. Um, you know, you're you, being top three, you know, is is insane. You know, who knows if you were prepared to be top two or one at the time? Maybe you were. But like I guarantee you, dude, if you get on that show, I'm sure, you know, the systems processes and 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 and, and all the contact for all that has to be in place because I was on bigger pockets. Um with Jay Scott and Carol, and uh, I wasn't prepared with funnels and web and pages. All that stuff needs to be in place before you get those opportunities um, presented to you, because if you don't, you're not ready for it. And then all of a sudden, there's all these balls and nobody in the field to catch them. So yeah, when yeah, it's good. I, I think it's, it's it's timing. And aside from you know your other sort of uh, challenges at the time. It's good that you made those decisions. Um, I want to I want to go back in time a little bit because I love I love your your dynamic with family and I love the history of you growing up. So this one question will peel back the layers a little bit. So can you paint a picture for us? And I usually ask this at the top of the show, but it feels right here. What was it like growing up at the Del Real family table? What was happening? Oh. What were the conversations? Well, it was it was a it was it was all family. So my parents came from Mexico when they were teenagers, so they didn't have much family up here. And the, so the family that 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 was here took them in, right? So that was like your close unit. Mm. Uh, so my parents had to grow up really quickly. Uh, my dad never really made more than forty seven thousand dollars a year. He's he's an immigrant, didn't finish high school. So, but my parents always taught us about the the importance and the relationship of family and keeping that family unit together i guess for them because they came here and the family unit is the one that that brought them into this country and say took took them in and and showed them the way like the family that was here and they saw how important that family unit was so for us it was all about that so my i grew up i grew up my dad um doing side jobs doing yards my mom would have all these side hustles she would she would work at a factory which was what, what other normal people would do right just work at work a job somebody that doesn't have a high school education but then she would she would wash carpets on the weekends she would clean houses she and for a point she was selling gold so and and, and all these side hustles they they took all that money and they invested it in the real estate because i learned from my dad really quickly that um it, it's it's not about how much you make but how much you keep and my dad only really made forty seven thousand dollars a year and he was able to retire buying up buying real estate because his race was really really short 
So my life was all of all those purposeful lessons that my dad would teach us. And we usually didn't get like, why, why can't we get the new bike? Why, why don't you have a new truck? You know, our neighbors, when my dad moved us into a pretty nice neighborhood where the neighbors had, you know, brand new Hummers, new trucks. And my dad had this 1986 Toyota Tacoma, right? It's mm. like so pickup, right? And, um, and my dad just drove in it and he did their yards. And so with my parents, they really taught us um, the servitude of, um, of serving even, even neighbors and having that humility to say, look, we're in this neighborhood, but we're still doing your yards or we're still working and hustling. We're driving a simple truck. And, and, then, and then seeing what they did with that and, and investing and watching those investments grow, being at signings with my dad at 11, 12 years old, because he didn't know how to, you know, he didn't know how to read English, right? So I was there with them learning myself um, and, or being on the weekends and spending time cleaning up rental properties. Like my dad was really, really smart. Like he, he taught us uh, not not school lessons because he we were never exposed to going to college. Like my parents never talked about us going to college, but they taught us life lessons, like what it is to serve others, what it is to be humble and not have to chase or prioritize what society thinks success is like having that, that new Hummer or having that new truck. My dad didn't care about that. He was so clear on what he wanted to do. And this goes back to what we talked about earlier as he was able to say no to all the social pressures. He Mm. prioritized his life, his family, his finances, and all the decisions in his faith. So all his decisions were, were based around that. It was so simple. So I saw my dad making these decisions all the time. So for me, like going back and talking about it, it's really easy. It's not that I read a book. I just had a great example. It was my father, right? And I saw him live this every single day. So, um, you know, even now, like I, I, I was at my parents' house last night. We shot over there and I was driving back from football practice. And I told my son, I said, you want to pop into grandma's house? And he's like, sure, let's go. And you go in and you spend 30 minutes with your with your parents because that I need to show my son the same thing, those lessons that I'm teaching them today, that, that example that I'm teaching them today to honor your father and your mother. I have to be able to not just tell him that so he honors me in the future and he takes time to, to veer off to come and spend time with me. He has to see me do the same thing. I saw my dad do that all the time when it comes down to his finances and the decisions that he makes. My dad took us once, and this is something that I do now, is um, I I take my son to go do uh, landscaping, right? So I have him go do yards in some of our apartment buildings and go collect laundry and coins and all that. And now I don't have to be doing that. Like my return, if you ask, if I'm a smart guy and you say, look, is that really the best return on your, on your, on your time? And it's absolutely not like I, you know, whether I make a thousand dollars an hour, it's like, it's not me going out there for three hours is not worth my time. Right. But it's a lesson and that lesson is priceless. So it's, it's, it's worth, it's worth the life lesson that I'm giving my kids. So for him going out and doing yards teaches them how to honor, right. And how to serve, how to be humble, how to appreciate, appreciating assets, right. And what, and look at what we're doing and what we're building. He gets to see the tenants, the people that go to work to pay us rent. And my dad did the same thing. I got that lesson from my dad, you know, where he never had to go pick uh, peaches or cherries or anything in the field. He wasn't a field worker. He worked at a factory, but there was a couple summers that he took us out and he made us go pick cherries. And he was out there with us. He's picking, filling buckets full of cherries. And for mm-hmm. every bucket you filled, you got $5. And then, and then, uh, so we filled, we filled up a bunch of buckets and worked all day. And then the next weekend we went to go pick che- peaches out. And peaches suck because they have little hairs on them and they get all over you. But then you also get paid $5 a bucket. But so with that, like we kept all the money. My dad didn't keep any of the money, but he wanted to teach us a lesson, 
right? So in the so as I started making decisions on how I'm going to spend, he wanted me to connect what it costs to earn that money, right? How to how to have the, the servitude of that. So like growing up with immigrant family, with an immigrant family, really positioned me to do a lot of the things and operate the business that I operate today. Like a, a lot of the fundamental things that I talk about, like I could trace them back from an immigrant that had no high school education, mm-hmm. right? That was how simple it is. But yet we complicate everything, right? I mean, a lot of these lessons are uh, biblical, right? I mean, there's there's a section that that says, um, I, I mean, there's I could just go I could just go on and on with even lessons with with the Bible, like you know, in order for in order for you to a man needs to deny himself and his own needs, you know, first in mm-hmm. order to really achieve the, and reach the kingdom of God, right? So think mm-hmm. about that. You have to deny all the luxuries and all the things that you want in order to be able to live the life that that you're meant to live. And so, I, fortunately, I, I got to experience that through my father. Um, so, um, but those are lessons today that I tried to not only just speak to my kids about, but actually show them. And I'll go out there and do some work, um, and 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 try to teach them those lessons um, every single day. You know. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate all that, and and, and thank you for for bringing in. You know you know, some, some quotes from, from scripture or, you know, just a lot of the stuff that we talk about, especially in entrepreneurial, uh, landscape, a, a lot of that comes from there, you know, a lot of that, you know, servitude, being humble, you know, um, you know, giving, and it's, it's, it's interesting because a lot of people don't connect it or, or a lot of people don't put it out there, that, mm-hmm. the source <laughs> of all that goodness, um, and where it comes from. So I appreciate that. Uh, I do want to move to our segment called uh, embrace the F word, meaning failure. And if you have a lesson or two that you've learned, you know, by falling on your face and getting back up and you're like, man, yeah, that didn't happen. You know, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So, yeah. Give us, give us a little lesson that we can sort of learn. Man, from. You know, you know, it's funny. Um, they say that, you know, sometimes the biggest blessing God's give, God gives you are his unanswered prayers. Right. So, when you think about the lessons that you get, that's where wisdom comes from is a lot of those failures. And I've had a lot of them. Right. And, you know, a good, a good uh, lesson for me was um, figuring out, and this is for if, if it's entrepreneurs or even on, or even real estate investors, there's a lot of learning that we do. Right. It's, it's called communicative knowledge. Right. We have a lot of communicative knowledge. Um, revealed knowledge is very different from communicative knowledge. And that's a big lesson that, that I learned. And I learned it and it cost me a lot of money as I invested and got out of my way. And I invested in certain people that had communicative knowledge that really had revealed knowledge. What I mean by that is, you know, it's different learning how to buy real estate, a big apartment complex, than it is actually buying it and taking it down. And some of those problems mm-hmm. that get revealed that knowledge is way more important. Like when it comes down to biblical, biblical, right? Adam had uh, revealed knowledge. God came in and talked to him and told him, don't eat from this, for, for, don't eat from this tree. That Eve had communicative knowledge, right? It came from Adam, didn't come directly from, from God. Mm-hmm. And what happened to her? She got duped by the serpent and ate from the tree. And the story went like that, right? Mm-hmm. It was the difference between communicative knowledge versus revealed you know, Adam had revealed knowledge. So when it comes down to investing in property, that, those are the biggest lenses, lessons that I've had. I, I invested money on an operator that had communicative knowledge. He was very smart, listened to a ton of podcasts, read a bunch of books, but never really took down a property, 
right? And when he took down the property with my money and a couple other investors' money, he earned his revealed knowledge. And mm-hmm. it went really, really bad. There was a lot of things that weren't in the book that 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 he dealt with. So that was a lesson that 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 I got is um, knowing the difference between having communicative knowledge and revealed knowledge. Um, and that's why it's important for investors to buy their own properties first. Like, hey, it, it, why is it important for you to buy single family homes first before mm-hmm. you move up to some of these bigger units? A lot of people want to go right to these big units, but they fail to, to get that revealed knowledge on mm-hmm. these single family homes. The same lessons that you learn on a one to four unit property are very, in the numbers are very similar to taking down a 20, 30, 40, 100 unit property, right? So you'd rather get that revealed knowledge when the, the, when the cost is a lot lower. And then once you get that revealed knowledge and you move up, I learned that the, the hard way when I was buying rentals, right? And I was buying uh, the best return on investment. I was buying uh, DNC properties, right? A little cheap in the hood, rents were good, cash flow was good. And all the numbers make sense. I had all the communicative knowledge to make that decision. Then I made that decision. And then within five years, I had revealed knowledge when I started looking at my books and saying, look, these returns are great on paper, but I'm not making any money because these units are vacant every three years. Mm. And that $500 a month that I'm making, you know, the $6,000 a year I'm making every three years, I'm pumping $10,000 back into this property. Mm. It makes absolutely no sense. So that goes back to like earning that revealed knowledge. And then I took the lessons I learned there and I'm like, well, I'd rather take a lower return on investment on a A or B property, but know that I'm not going to have some of those headaches every three years where it's a revolving door and I'm fixing a bunch of yeah, CapEx or I'm dealing with a lot of damage from a tenant. So um, those are those are lessons that 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 you have to earn. Um, and that's why it's so important for people to not skip the first couple of steps, right? Because that's where wisdom comes from, where you, you get the communicative knowledge to reveal knowledge. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. That's awesome. I, I want to share some something that happened. You reminded me of a story. My first deal, uh, one or two units, uh, two units where um, I bought a cash, right? I just, I just said, okay, no more single family. I'm just going to go rent two, two units here. And buying a cash, I didn't realize, you know, you know, I bought homes before, like that I've lived in primary residences. But um, insurance comes in and says, you can't, you can't complete this transaction until you have insurance. So closing day, literally, cash, bought the multi, walked away. And my, the guy that I was working with said, oh, where's your insurance paperwork? I'm like, what? <laughs> I didn't do it. So for like about a week and a half, I was shitting bricks. Because like, if anything, God forbid, lightning struck it or something happened. I'm like, there was zero insurance on the property. And that was, that was revealed knowledge. Like I didn't yeah. know, right. Nobody told me that, you know, I read every single note that, that, that had to do with taking this down and I had people on my team, but that was one thing slipped through. Um, so yeah, thanks for sharing that. I, um, I wanted to also, there's so many things that, uh, that, that you mentioned throughout this show. Um, but I want to also highlight uh, a quote that you said in the past where you said, um, this is so good. And I, I wrote it down. There were very few people. I'm sorry. There were there were probably half a dozen really amazing quotes when we were together in Colorado, and yours was one of them, bro. Um, and you said that, well, two quotes from you that I wrote down. I don't ask for a lighter load. I ask for a stronger back. Right. Um, I love that one. And then you also said, if someone has a servant heart, wealth is powerful in their hands. And I yeah. literally like 
dash Daniel Del Real. <laughs> you know, can you can you speak to one or both of those? Because because those are just I get chills when I'm just reading it out loud. Yeah, you know, um, I think as you're building a business, you're trusted with more, right? Um, so we sometimes like, we're praying for smaller problems, right? And usually, like, man, we should probably be praying for a stronger back, right? Because God is building you up to in that with that servitude to be able to handle more, right? So for you, we, we always that's what my dad used used to always say. Look, if you have issues with the house, if you have issues with the tenant moving out. It's like those problems are good problems to have, right? You don't pray for lighter problems. Like you pray for just a stronger back. And I, I, whenever it comes down to, to servitude, and we always, we would say that, you know, gratitude, it's good to live life in gratitude. Gratitude is great. Gratitude will open the door up for, for many opportunities, right? If somebody's grateful, has a grateful heart, they look at life in a different way and opportunities just come to them. Servitude kicks the freaking door down, right? Mm. Uh, it doesn't open the door. It kicks the door down. When you go out and serve, it, it, it kicks the door because people see the humility of serving people, right? The humility of, of, of serving others. And, and it doesn't matter how much you've achieved, right? At the end of the day, we have, you know, we have to, we have to serve. And if God sees you have that servant's heart, then you're trusted with, with much more. So for me, I have this big thing uh, graffitied on in my garage, um, in my gym, right? I have a gym. Um, so I have a bay that's, that's all a gym and it's Braus, it's controlled strength. Mm. Right where it says, "Look, can I have the responsibility and the strength financially, but yet have the soft touch, the servitude?" Right, mm. um, and and having that controlled strength is what really it's what's what has the magic. It goes back to what we talked about before: having opportunities but saying no. Like you constantly, like if if you build this this uh, education or the wealth, you're constantly uh, expressing. Um, restraint, right, from chasing certain things, right? Um, and so that's that's a thing that I always like to r- remind myself is how can I have the strength, but yet the, con- the be able to, to, to control it? I think Joe Rogan says it best. He's like, you'd rather be strong, right? You're strong and have the ability to control that strength than to be weak, right? Because at the end of the day, you can't just turn on strength, right? You have to earn it. Right. And, and, and yeah. the way that I look at it and the way that a lot of people see it is take a look at your your dog. Right. One of the most one of the things that people love the most. We have a, a, Labrad- a Labradoodle. It's our dog. We bring him into the homes. The dogs have this beautiful, soft, controlled strength. Look at some of these dogs. They're huge. If they wanted to, they'll bite your freaking face off. <laughs> but they don't. They have the controlled strength. So then they inherit the world they inherit the household but yet what happens to a uh, a wolf right mm-hmm. no control strength it gets shot mm-hmm. what happens to a tiger right no control strength it gets caged up mm-hmm. it never gets invited into the home right wow. Wow. so how can you have the the power but yet or the affluence but have the restraint to say no to a lot of things right mm-hmm. um say no to um you know, with success, what happens? You get other opportunities, right? You get other opportunities to go and party or go maybe opportunities uh, when, where it puts you in a situation where it might not be good for you and your family or your wife. And it's constantly saying no to those things and having your values so strong and having the strength to exercise that patience to say, no, I'm not going to do these things um, is where the magic really happens. So, um, 
that's that's a big part of of what we talked about today, and we said it a bunch of different ways indirectly. But it, it always comes down for um, it comes down to when it comes down to like Bible. I think it's Matthew sixteen. It says, "Anyone that desires to come after me has to de- has to deny themselves." Right? Think about mm-hmm. that and take up your own cross. Like, what are the things that 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 are driving us to like? What is it? Is it a new Ferrari or is it a new, you know, is it, is it a plane or whatever it is that the world says, the chain or watch that, that are going to give you approval of the world. Right. But you have to deny yourself from worldly things. So, so that way you could, you could achieve heavenly things. And a lot of that has to be into servitude, right. It's serving yourself. I'll give you an example today. We have, so I have this, um, I, I was talking to this guy. He just bought a Ferrari, right? And he's like, "Yo, Daniel, you should buy this Ferrari. It's great. I mean, if anybody could afford it, you should buy, you should buy one." And I'm like, you know, I keep thinking that. Like my phrases, it's like, look, a, a man's wealth is measured by his ability to live without and having that servitude, right, in his heart, saying, "Look, I'm, I'm going to say no to this so I could continue to invest my money and continue to grow my wealth." So then, when I have an opportunity to serve, I could express my servant heart. And I have a, I have a. Um, I have a gal that works for me and her husband is in the ICU with COVID and it's a big deal. And she's out of a premium. So everything is out of pocket and being able to tell her, Hey, don't let your husband leave the hospital. We're going to take care of all the medical expenses for him. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. I deny myself from buying something that the world says is wealth. Right. But then if, because I said no to that, guess what I'm able to do. I'm able to write a check for 20 grand to take care of this lady's family. Mm. And he creates this loyalty and love forever, right? Because she sees that I'm serving her. So I just kicked the door down of opportunity. Not only did I extend, I have the ability to play a massive impact in her kids and her dad and her her husband. um, But at the same time, I might've changed their lives. And do you think that she's going to be loyal to me? Right? I didn't Mm. expect it. I don't expect it. But having that ability, and if you do that, guess what that, guess what the world does to you? It rewards Mm. you. Right. And that's where when it talks about being grateful, that's great. Having being grateful for everything that's going to open doors of opportunity for you. But servitude is going to kick the door down. It's like, how can you serve others? Right. Um, And yeah, so that's that's just uh, an easy way for me to make the decisions that I make every day. And and I'm like, look, I have to deny myself in order and take up my own cross. Right. So that way I can help. I can help others. Right. Yeah, brother. I mean, you know, that that Ferrari example, you know, or or the watches or or, or anyone who's listening to this that, um, you know, that's all fine and dandy. You know, when I was in my 20s and 30s, that was um, that was very desirable. Right. And, and everyone around me, um, you know, had those things or was striving for those things. But that to me, working super hard to gain those things, those worldly sort of uh, material items is way easier than putting the time, energy and effort into working on yourself. And that's now where the phase that I'm in now, I'm in my 40s. It's like, that's the hard work. Like people, people don't want to do that work. Like, you know, I know grown men in their 70s, 80s that still haven't figured it out right? They still haven't figured themselves out. And that's, to me, the biggest tragedy, because like you lived this long life, gaining all of this stuff, all of these worldly sort of things, and but not have you worked any bit of time, uh, uh, you know, invested in yourself. So I just wanted to highlight something that you said there, which, which, which was really, really powerful. So Daniel, what's the best way for people to reach out, potentially join your team? 
Well, I'm not not hard to find. So you can Google the Del Rio Group and you'll find me. I'm one of the highest reviewed agents in the state of California. Um, you could also find us on Instagram. On Instagram, the Del Rio Group, the Del Rio Group, I think, or just my name, Daniel Del Rio. Um, but you, you could you could find me pretty easily on social media or on online. Yeah, we'll make sure to put all of those links in the show notes for you folks if you missed it. But Daniel, is there anything that you want to share with the audience uh, before we part? No, I, I, you know, I appreciate the space. I appreciate you asking me to be on and pushing me out of my my comfort zone. So uh, thank you. I don't do a lot of these uh, podcasts and shows just because it's not, you know, within you know my my comfort zone. But I, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate all the work that you guys that you guys uh, put into the show. I I did listen to a few of them too. I'm like, man, there's there's some good good people you have on the show, man. There's a lot of good knowledge that's shared, and hopefully, I, I just hope that somebody got at least one or two little things from our conversation today. I'm sure I, I got a ton. So I appreciate you and your time and looking forward to, to seeing you again soon. Thanks. Andy. Right. See Bye. That's it for now, folks. If you'd like to stay in touch with the show, you can contact me directly at Eric at onairbrands.com. That's Eric, E-R-I-K at onairbrands.com. And if you aren't already subscribed to the show, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or any other podcast platform. And please recommend us to one or two people in your circle. That will go a long, long way to growing our community. Also, if you could rate us on iTunes, just take a moment uh, to give us five stars. And if they have more stars, give all of them. We'd greatly appreciate you for that. And always, always like, subscribe, and share, share, share this show on social media. We'd love you for that as well. And if you have any ideas or want to hear something on a future show, please hit us up. Maybe you have a question for one of my guests or you want to uh, tell a story, a success story. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can do that, especially if you're on the Anchor platform. You can leave us a voice message. We'd love to incorporate you and your voice on a future episode. Once again, folks, thanks again for listening to the Entrepreneur Circle. Please like, subscribe, and share, share, share. I am Eric Cabral, and as always, remember, your network is your net worth. So get in the circle. Mm -hmm.